Church, I'm so excited uh, for today. So thankful for today. It's been an amazing day and uh, excited to gather around the Word. Today, we're actually kicking off a new collection of talks. Uh, we talk, uh, we speak, and we communicate in what we call collections, same thing as sermon series or whatever you want to call it. Um, but we were like, we'll just call it collections, so it means nothing else other than that. <laughs> but we like to speak uh, in collections throughout the year to kind of give us uh, some balance and help us to track well as we go through the year. And so uh, today, I'm excited for this one that we're kicking off. It's called uh, The Search. And the, the, the idea behind uh, this collection, I was really like, have you ever had a, a question of like, you know, of the Christian faith or, or not, not even like, yes, that, but not even so much just that, but maybe even as a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of the way of Jesus, maybe you've had questions around the idea like, okay, I love Jesus, I, I, I follow him, but how do I respond to this? Like, how do I respond to this kind of situation? And you don't have to, you know, by show of hands, tell me that. We all do. We all have those questions. And really, this collection came because of a question. So uh, some of you may remember on Easter Sunday, uh, we asked the question like, hey, what are some of the things that you would love to hear uh, discussed on a Sunday morning? Uh, Because uh, for us, uh, we never want conversations that we have here just be, you know, whatever is trendy or whatever is, is happening that just seems like it's a good thing to talk about. Uh, but we like to say it like this. <laughs> we want it to be, or at least I like to say it like this. I don't think I shared it with anybody else. <laughs> I like to say that we want the conversations to be real. We want them to be relevant. And then we want them to be ratchet. <laughs> and you're like, ratchet, what do you mean? Meaning, listen. So I'm like, what, what does that mean? There is a ratchet part in every one of us in here. Or crazy part, or like, you know, the part of you you don't too many people know, or, you know, that part. We want to speak. I see people get some pat on the bats out there, like, the marriage conference isn't yet. Hold on. (laughs) But we want to speak to that part of you. So meaning, like, yes, we want you to be inspired on a Sunday morning. We want you to come in and leave feeling better than what you came in. But also at the same time, we want you to feel like, yo, my toes got stepped on. Like, you know, I don't even know if I, uh, I necessarily agree with him on that. I mean, he's probably right, but I don't like it because it's, it's causing me to think about something and to consider some things. And so, yes, we, we want all that to happen. And so that's why we asked the question. And what we did, we looked at uh, the responses to the survey and just kind of like, hey, let's take some questions, at least in September, uh, that we can kind of hit, that we can address. And so over the next uh, number of weeks, uh, we're going to talk about excluding Welcome Home Sunday. That's going to be a standalone, and then we'll pick back up. Uh, but we're going to talk about, you know, like, how do I raise these kids? Like, what do I, <laughs> what do, I do with family? How do I respond with family. Uh, we're going to talk about how do we deal with disappointment. Come on. Like, have we been disappointed a little bit over the last two and a half years and, and, and going beyond that? Um, and then we, we're also going to talk about how do we handle stress? Nobody. I got it. Y'all are good. Nobody, nobody deals with stress. I understand. We, we're going we're gonna to tackle those questions. Uh, but today, this was perhaps the most uh, requested, if you will, um, area. And it was this, this idea of how to change. Like, how do 
I change. And so I didn't ask that. You all asked it. But that was the question. How do I change? And I think we all, um, to some degree, recognize, like, yo, we've got some places, some spaces of, of our lives that need changing. And to help us kick off uh, this conversation and lead us off in this conversation, we're going to be coming from Romans uh, chapter 7, just a single verse, verse 15. And so if you have it, you can uh, flip with me there, scroll with me there, or connect here on the screen. It's Romans, this is Paul talking, chapter 7, verse 15. It says, for I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. We could probably like just kind of pause right there and say, Paul, like you were preaching, preaching when you wrote that. Because how many of us can relate to that? Like, but I do what I hate. Would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful. We're thankful, Lord, uh, for this time that we have together. Lord, the chance to be able to gather around your word. And Lord, we pray over these next few moments, God, that you open our eyes. Allow us to see what it is that you're showing us. God, incline our ears. Allow us to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. God, we're your servants. And this is what we say. Speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Family, um, I like to think, like, you know, I'm somewhat resourceful. Like, I can kind of figure things out a little bit. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I, like, bring the solution to the thing. I'm just saying I can at least find a solution to the thing. And in my opinion, that still counts. And so, um, you know, for instance, at home, if there's a, a plumbing issue, I'm going to call a plumber, right? If, if there's an electrical issue, I'm going to call an electrician. If I don't have time to take care of the yard, I'm going to call a landscaper. So it doesn't matter if it's me or not. I feel like I can get to a solution. Now, having said all of that, there's one space, one area where I have not figured out a solution. Like, I need, I need help in this. I have not been able to figure this area out. And this is in the place of my diet. Is any, any, am I the only? Thank you. Thank you. Kevin, thank you so much. Like, I'm not alone in this. I mean, it's not that I don't know what to do. Come on, Paul. <laughs> it's not like I don't know what to do. I just don't do it. Like, I know I shouldn't eat past a certain time. Like, I, I, I know I should watch, you know, my caloric intake and all these things. But here's what happens, family. Like, we get the kids down to bed, and, and I go downstairs, and, and we're just sitting, Kate and I are sitting, and we're hanging, and all of a sudden, the shrimp scampi that's in the fridge, Michael, good plan, Michael. I'm like, come on, man. Leave me alone. Or, or the wings, um, you know, that I say, you know, that's going to be lunch <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> that's going to be lunch tomorrow. But I ended up finishing it that night. Come on. Come on. They, hit, they just, you know, I'm like, man, I found myself in this place. Like, I knew I did not want to do this. And then I'm mad because I'm like, Katie, I got to buy more clothes because none of the stuff from last year <laughs> fits. I do what I don't want to do. And I find myself asking this question. When will 
I change? Has anybody ever asked that question? When will I change? You know, the, the thing about that is we all have uh, different places and different spaces in our lives that we want to change. For some of us, there, there's some habits that we've developed that we no longer want. There's some things that we participate in, some activities that we engage in that we don't want to participate in. There's a mindset that we've picked up along the way that we no longer want to be our mindset. And so we find ourselves asking the question, when will I change? But the reality is, family, before we can say, when will I change, we have to answer another question of, like, how to change. Because it's only until you know how to change that you can be informed on when will I change. Because that's an understanding of the process and all the other things that has to be done. And this idea is really about us not getting into what happens when we don't change. Typically what happens is when you get frustrated with like, why am I still dealing with this thing? Frustration then turns to shame. And then shame becomes condemnation because we're sitting back and we're asking the question, how am I still dealing with the same thing that was an issue five years ago? How is the same thing that I struggled with 10 years ago still the thing that's affecting me today? How's this thing 20 years later and this is still my struggle? So this morning, family, we're going to attempt to answer the question, how to change? And if there's any comfort that we can get, we can go back to Paul to know here you have a person in Scripture who oftentimes, you know, we hold people in Scripture in high esteem. And, and here's Paul. Like, this is, this is Paul, OG Paul, the real one Paul, the one responsible for about 75% of the New Testament, the one who has shaped a lot of our theology. And here is Paul saying, Listen, I know what to do, but yet I don't always do that thing. Instead, I find myself doing what I don't want to do. So what does that mean? That means the struggle being real has been real for quite some time. This is not a new idea. This is not a new concept. We've been wrestling with this tension of change for a while. And in all the conversations that I've had in, in ministry and just walking life out with people, I've realized that for those of us who need change, which is all of us, there's a, a, a I don't know, a, a place that we will get to if we do not address the things that need changing. There's a, a trajectory, a path, a progressive path that leads to a place we really don't need to be or want to be if we do not address what needs to be changed. And it often looks like this. It looks like the area that you struggle or just want to change, what happens is it becomes your identity. That you say, you know what? You use language like this. This is just who I am. This is just what it's going to be. It is what it is. My mama dealt with it. My daddy dealt with it. And my cousin dealing with it right now. So why would I expect anything to be different. This is just who I am. And so what happens, we adopt that as our identity. It becomes our identity. It's what defines us. And you know what's interesting? That's contrary to Scripture. Because if you are in Christ, now I understand 
All of us in here haven't said yes to Jesus, and uh, I'm glad that you're here because you don't have to have said yes to be in here. You belong before you believe, and our prayer is eventually that you will uh, believe, but we're not going to beat you with the Bible in order to do that. But there are people, of, uh, there are some of us in here who have said yes to Jesus, and so we can't take this idea of like it is what it is, this is just who I am, and this is what it's going to be, so you got to get used to it. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17, it lets us know this. That if you are in Christ, then the old man has passed away and you have been raised to new life. So whoever you were is not who you are today. Whoever you were is not the person that you are becoming. That who you used to be, you're not that person anymore. This is, what, this is why we uh, push the idea of baptism. Now, baptism isn't salvation, so let's not get that confused. But what it is, is is an expression of your decision to say yes to Jesus. But here's why it's such a big deal of the physical representation that it gives us. Because, see, when you're submerged into that water, that's the old you dying. That's the old habits dying. That's the old whoever you were before the moment you say yes, die. And what happens when you come out of that water, you are raised to new life in Christ. So what does that mean? Who you used to be is not who you're becoming. So it's not who, what it is, what it is. No, that you have been positioned for change. Whatever your struggle is, whatever hardships you're dealing with does not have to become your identity. But the Lord is saying, I am making a new you. But here's the thing, the enemy would love nothing more for you to identify with your struggle rather than to identify with who you are in Christ. In fact, look at Scripture. Oftentimes in Scripture, the people that had these really amazing encounters with Jesus, for the most part, we don't really know their name, but we know their struggle. Take the woman with the issue of blood. What did I just call her? The woman with the issue of blood. I don't know her name. We don't know it. We don't have that. We're not privy to that, but we know her struggle. And so here it is. She's tired of dealing with what she's been dealing with for 12 years, and she's gone from place to place, doctor to doctor. No one could bring a solution to her issue, and really they knew they couldn't. They were just really uh, taking her money, to be honest. But anyway, she knows that Jesus is in the area, and she does everything she can, fighting through the crowds, fighting through... Um, the insults and everything that would have been shouted at her. And she gets to Jesus and she touches the, the hem of his garment. And in that moment, you know, I love it. The Lord's like, who touched me? Peter's like, what do you mean, man? There's a whole bunch of people around you. But he's like, yo, it was different. Like I, I, there was virtue that left. I, I connected with faith in this moment. And here's what he did. He looked at her and he says, your faith has made you whole. But before he said, your faith has made you whole, he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. So while the enemy and some people we know will love to keep us defined by our struggle, defined by our issues, the Lord is saying that is not who you are anymore, but you are a son and daughter of God. And so you do, am I talking to anybody this morning? You do not have to wear the label of your struggle but he has called you a son. He has called you a daughter. So who you used to be is not who you are becoming. The enemy wants you identified by your struggle while God identifies you as a son and daughter. And here's the thing. God doesn't want to improve the old you. He wants to make 
a new you. Listen, let it go what you used to do. Quit glorifying those stories. That's not who you are anymore. Boy, back in my day, if you would have caught me, no, it don't even matter no more. You knew. Why are you stuck in the past? No, you got you to gotta say, Lord, like, yeah, whatever. Because it's not, like, yes, it's cool what the Lord has delivered me from. But much more than what he has delivered me from is what he has delivered me to. Come on. To the King of kings, to the Lord of lords. And so, yes, we understand that. That's why some testimonies, you like, oh, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did. We don't need to know all that. <laughs> Give us, like, the redactors, you know, cover some things up. And let's just get to this thing. Man, the Lord has delivered you to him. I spent way too much time on that. But this is the trajectory. So it becomes your identity, and then you feel increasingly hopeless. Now, remember, we're all on the spiritual journey of becoming who God uh, desires us to be, which is ultimately to live, love, and look like Jesus. But, of course, when you say that, and you kind of get try to paint a picture of what that even looks like, for some of us, that feels like something we can never accomplish, a place that we can never get to. And so instead of even attempting to live a life in Christ, we just, some of us, we give up. We hit the X and rep and say, I'm done. Look, can I just keep it real this morning? Some of us are only in here because it was a good Sunday thing to do. And your brunch plans fell through. And so you said, I'll come to the becoming. Too real? It's okay, remember? The ratchet part of us, we're speaking of that too. (laughs) But what happens is in this journey, we're just, we could become increasingly hopeless. And then when, when that happens, remember, we're addressing the idea of how to change. So the issues become our identity. And because of the issues, we feel increasingly hopeless. Then that leads to us becoming defensive. Like, have you ever experienced someone who's like hit a rough spot in life and they just simply need to change? And everyone knows that everyone sees it except the person who needs the change. And even if they see it, they just simply refuse to agree to it, which leads them to becoming defensive towards it. And oftentimes it's because they feel justified in how they're living or whatever it is that they're projecting. And in all truth and honesty, they're, they're probably right. Like, that person was wrong. Like, yes, they hurt you and they offended you. And, and that, that, was, that was wrong what they did. But that doesn't mean that you have to stay there. But oftentimes that is our response. We become defensive, which ultimately we become a slave to that thing. The thing that we're defensive about, we become enslaved to. Because even if we see that we need to change, we don't want to. And so the issue now, it has us in a place where we're living in bondage to that thing. And that is the only thing that we could see. You know, it's even like, I understand there are different programs in terms of different things that people may deal with like, you know, alcoholism or just whatever addiction. And oftentimes the method is to say, my name is whatever and I am. No matter how long you've been in this recovery, 20 years later, 30 years later, and it's I am. And so what's happening, you're still defining yourself as that rather than a person that is free. And so we got to be even, and I understand the intent of it, but no, like, like you're free from that thing. You've been delivered from that thing. So you don't have to, we don't have to be 
in bondage or enslaved to our struggles. But if we don't address the things that need to be changed, that's where we can end up. And this is what Paul is addressing in Romans 6, 7, and chapter 8. He's discussing this battle that goes on between the two parts of us. Like there are two parts of us. There's the spiritual part of us, and then there's the, the carnal part of us or the flesh part of us. It's like this. You follow the way of Jesus, but you got a little flesh about you too. Like you're, 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 sti- you're saved, but you know you still throw hands kind of thing. You're, 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 you're spiritual in one minute, but you're ready to ride or die in the next. And so what's happening with these two parts of us, there's a battle that's going on. And here's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants the carnal part of you to ultimately impact the spiritual part of you. So the decisions you make, they're not from this place of you that is wanting to connect with God. But it's this part of you that's yourself, that's your flesh, that are the desires that are within you. And then ultimately, if we become enslaved to those things, enslaved to our desires, here's what happens. You begin to lose your life. So the thing that you're slave to, it's beginning to kill you because you are moved away like further and further from God. So we know this. The enemy wants to kill us. He wants to still kill and destroy. And I believe, like, yes, physically, but I also believe that he would love to kill us spiritually as well. So, so when the Bible lets us know that that's what he wants to do, I believe there's an aspect of that that he's like, you know, what if I could steal the dream that you have in your heart? What if I can steal the hope that you're holding on to? What if I can steal the promise to the degree that you are physically alive but you are spiritually dead on the inside? So then every day feels like a new death. I believe there's a part of him that wants to do that. Like how many people have died spiritually before they ever ever died physically? This is what happens when we don't address the things that need to be changed. Like we need to know this family. It doesn't matter what bad the enemy has brought into our lives that the Lord can take what the enemy meant for bad and turn it around for your good. Understand this family. That if the Lord is with us and for us, who can be against us? He is, God is with us. And here's what I love about him. He is a God who redeems. He is a God of redemption. So even if you messed up, you don't have to hit the exit ramp. That's the thing that I want to tell people. You don't have to hit the exit ramp. You're on a spiritual journey of becoming. We all have sinned. We all have fallen short. We all miss the mark. That's what sin means. But just keep going. Just keep becoming. Because God is a God of redemption. And here's the thing. He'll give you, he will redeem the time that you lost. Not in the sense necessarily that you get more time, but he will allow you to do more with the time that you have remaining because he's a God of redemption. He redeems. Now, listen, we all have areas that need to be changed. And I don't know what it is for you, but you know that. But even with that, we don't have to allow these things to control us. Here's what scripture says, Romans 6, verse 12. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. You do not have to obey what the carnal part of you want to do. You know, people say, why would I be a Christian? That's the lifestyle of what you can't do. 
but they've got it twisted. They're wrong. You are actually, as a Christian, I'm free. But if you haven't said yes to Jesus, you're not free. The enemy has you living in this false reality of freedom. And here's what I mean why you're not free. Because you desire it, you have to do it. Because you see something, want something, want to do something, want to do that, you got to say yes to whatever your, your sinful nature desires. While the Lord has put up these guardrails, he says, live within this place. Live within, within these confines. You call that re- re- restriction. I call that freedom. So now just because the sinful part of me says do this, I don't have to do that. So I'm actually free. I said, no, you're forced with saying yes to whatever you desire. And this is what Paul is saying. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so you obey its evil desires. You don't have to say yes to it. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Listen, family, you are not your desires. I mean, that's freedom to me right there. Just because you desire it, just because the sinful nature of you, your flesh, like you want to do it, doesn't mean you have to. You are not your desires. That's not what you are defined as. That's why Paul would say in another letter, he says, do, he says, walk by the Spirit so you do not gratify the flesh. So that's why we need the presence of God. We need, when you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You have God in you to help you live this Christian life. And so now when you normally would go this way, you got the Spirit of God in you that says go this way. Now, I know that's a progression, and I know that takes time, but I just want to inform us and remind us that we do not have to say yes just to whatever our sinful nature says. That's why we've gotten caught up in culture today that you live your truth. But there's, there's not, we all don't have these whole bunch of truths in here. There's the truth. What we have is our desires. And what happens is we make our desires our truth. And so then it's live your truth, which is translation for live your desire and live and do however and whatever you want to do. But Paul says what? Do not let sin reign in your, in your mortal body so you obey its evil desires. You are not your desires. And I'm going to go ahead and land this plane. So how to change? You're like, you're going to answer the question. We're about to do that as we close this morning. Here's the first part. Stop making excuses. <laughs> I don't know how plainly to put it. But we don't have time to dance around. But stop making excuses. Some of us, we sound like our kids when we ask them, have we done something that we told them to do? Uh, well, uh, and then, uh, and over there, uh, no, 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 no. Did you do it or did you not? And that's us when it comes to change. Like, get past the excuses. Get over the excuses. Like, you've heard it said this way, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. What if you are really, if we are really sick and tired of being sick and tired, then it begins with us stopping the excuses. 
Because excuses become the reason why we never experience more. And Jesus dealt with this, Luke 14, 18 through 20. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I've bought a field and I must go and see it. I ask that you excuse me. Another said, I have, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And another said, I just got married and therefore I'm unable to come. For some of us, this is what that sounds like. If only my past wasn't so checkered, I think I could do that. If only I came from a different family. See, I didn't get set up like they did. They did I didn't have a house left to me. I didn't have an inheritance left to me. So therefore, I can't do that. If only my ethnicity wasn't is what it is. You know, because down, down let us do these things. Come on. I'm eliminating the excuses. Because when we take that mindset, then we're saying that God can't overcome these things that man tried to put in place. That's, no, we have to stop that. Right? If only I didn't have to worry about these stereotypes. So then we don't need to sing the, the song, Same God, anymore. But no, we've got to stop making excuses. And all we have to do is take the next step to begin. Don't see change for this huge process that it is, but see it as the next step that's in front of you, that begins that process. When kids learn to, learn to walk, they don't start running. What do they do? They just keep taking steps to ultimately they begin to run. So don't see, don't, don't look over there. It's, it's just a journey of becoming. And here's the thing, don't be afraid to evaluate. Write that down. Change can never begin if you never evaluate. Because how do you know what needs to be changed? But when you assess, when you're honest with yourself, you can then see that these are some spaces and places that I need to change. And there are so many areas that we need to evaluate. But I'll say this. One of the areas that we need to evaluate, family are our relationships. Because we're trying to figure out why we can't change. And the answer is because they won't let you change. Because some people, where the Lord is taking you, what he wants to do in your life, it doesn't mean that everyone that you were once connected to in a previous season is supposed to go to that same place. And listen, yes, that's not a statement that is rude. That's not elitism. That's not exclusivity. But it's understanding that there are seasons and dynamics of relationship. And if you look at Jesus, there were the 70, there were the 12, but then there were the three disciples that Peter, James, and John that will often go with him to other places. All 70 weren't there. All 12 weren't there. But there were three. So there are some people that you've been trying to hold on to for so long and try to maintain something because of once was in the past time in college and high school and whatever. And you're still trying to relive those moments. And the Lord's saying, you keep asking me, God, help me. And he's like, yeah, when they keep ghosting you and they keep ignoring you and they're not responding and it's just not the same when you're together, that is me telling you. But yet you keep trying to do the same thing with them all over the, all the time. And then we want, so we have to evaluate relationships. Why? Because scripture lets us know this. It says this, don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership, that's war. It's like best friends, 2 Corinthians 6 in the message prayer phase. It says, it's best friends, it's like best friends with dark. Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are, each of us, with the temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I'll live in them, move in them, I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. So leave 
the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good. Do, don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. I'll be a father to you. You'll be sons and daughters to me. The word of the master. God, we got to be willing to evaluate. And you can write this down. Stop that. Start this. So if we're going to no longer make excuses and we're evaluating what needs to be changed, we can't just stop there because if we're stopping something, that means we need, that means we need to replace it. So if I'm not going to eat cake anymore, I need to replace it with salad or something else, right? So in other words, we need to fill the void of whatever it is that we're removing. So how do we do that? How do we stop that and start this? you got to give your life to Jesus. Listen, some of us, we have not gotten the full experience of Jesus because we have never went all in with him. You've got to go all in with Jesus. Don't get full of yourself. Instead, get full of Jesus. How else do we fill that void? Join a belong group. If you're serious about transformation and change, You'll get in a group, and you'll be able to join a group on September 11th as they open up. Like we always say that life transformation happens in the context of community. Family, you need community. You need others. That's why you see so many one another statements in the Bible. Love one another. Pray for one another. Serve one another. It's hard to do the one another if you're not connected to one another. We transform within community, not isolation. Isolation is the breeding ground for destruction. And I love what James 5.16 says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I love that. It says, so that you may be healed, meaning what? Healing happens in community. You got to do life with people. You got to get connected. So get in a group. And here's the very last thing. Live for others. You fill the void by living for others. That's why we do things like, I love my city. We get out and we serve. That we, We're not living a me-focused life, but we're living a we-focused life. A life that we can begin to live that matters, that considers others. Because I discover this, whether it's in conversations or books I've read, our stories I've heard, the most fulfilled people are the people who live for others. And so as we wrap up today, here's the thing I want you to get. Change doesn't begin with the leap. It begins with the step. All you got to do is take a step and live with blinders. Who cares what somebody else's race looks like? Who cares what their journey looks like? This, this is your journey. Like, look up. That's where your help is coming from. And just take a step and invite the process of change that the Lord has you on. Would you pray with me this morning?